So this is not from the refuge book. This is from Against the Stream. Um, I actually gave my refuge book to a guy at the meeting on Tuesday, so I don't have one right now. So I have to get another one. But I, I, I want him to go through these. I probably lose my refuge book like every two I weeks. Will, I will screenshot our Amazon purchases over the past year and a half and show you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the amount of refuge every book I have bought is insane. I'll be like, you don't have one? Hold on. Okay. Yeah. Here, just take mine. And then I'm like, shit, i got to do a meeting today. I don't even have the book. At this point, we go on Amazon and they're just like, why don't you just add this on to you? Yeah. <laughs> Cause Cause they'll start coming on. Like, permanently. Just send me one like every, every 20 time. days or something. <laughs> it's like a refilling a prescription. <laughs> <laughs> it is, kind of. I don't know. my book for the week? Oh, no, I'm okay. Okay. It's okay. It really is. Um, I probably know it by heart, but I probably do a good amount of it. So, but this I wanted to kind of discuss, and it starts up here. And I'm just, so I'm just going to read this like three paragraphs. But it says that the Buddha describes the path that leads to freedom as the liberation of the heart, which is love. In Buddhism, the words heart and mind tend to be interchangeable. It is said that some Buddhist masters will point to their chest when talking about the mind. The mind is not only the brain, as we Westerners tend to think of it. It is also the heart-mind, or that which, in our consciousness, experiences both thoughts and emotions. The Buddha implied that this path of love goes against the stream. It is a revolutionary act to overcome the forces of greed, hatred, and delusion through the cultivation of their opposites, generosity, compassion, and understanding. Out of hundreds of meditation practices that the Buddha taught, he said that the most direct path to freeing the heart was the cultivation of loving kindness, compassion, equanimity, and sympathetic joy. The experience of these emotions is our most effective means of dispelling the pervasive feeling that most of us have of isolation and separation. Loving kindness and its kindred emotions allow us to enter into a divine abode. As it were, we experience a pleasant abiding of interconnection and non-separateness. Compassion and connectedness and their ilk. What does that word mean? Ilk. I think it's like those similar to. Yeah. Okay. Or in association with. Mm-hmm. Roughly. Even when I was reading this this morning, I was like, ilk? Like elk? Anyways. So, compassion <laughs> and connectedness and their ilk are natural qualities within our own heart mind. However, they have been buried beneath the survival mechanisms of attachment and aversion. The Buddha offers us meditative tools to uncover the heart's truest nature. These tools reveal a way of being in this world of suffering and oppression with a clear-eyed understanding of suffering, its causes, and the path that leads to the end of suffering. 
we're going to look at these practices in the next few weeks. And they're going to be Buddha's teachings on generosity, compassion, loving kindness, appreciation, and equanimity. The very first one, it just starts with generosity and it says, taking the rebellion from the meditation cushion to all aspects of our lives is the task and intention of truth of the true spiritual revolutionary. It is said that the first teaching that Buddha gave to people he met on his travels through towns and villages was the importance of generosity. <coughs> it's a good first teaching for all of us. In the beginning of our spiritual practice, it is our goal to break through our internal greed and self-centeredness by external acts of giving. Generosity takes many different forms and can originate in many different motivations and intentions. Let's start with the practice of letting go of our self-centered greed and attachment by keeping in mind what other people need. Buddha said that if we knew the importance of generosity, we would never let a single meal go by without sharing it with someone who is in need. On this planet, where tens of thousands of people starve to death daily, this is not a hypothetical suggestion. Generosity is revolutionary. It, it was so 2,500 years ago, in the time of Buddha, and it may be even more so now. Most of the time, people are so self-centered, so involved with themselves, that they don't stop to think how they can help others. To the masses, generosity is counter-instinctual. If you don't already understand this to be true, just look at the current situation in the world and review human history. Our confused and misguided survival instinct is to care only for ourselves and our loved ones. But here in the industrialized West, we've taken survival to the extreme of indulgence. To facilitate a change and to transform our relationship to that instinct, we need to constantly reflect on how we can help others. We need to constantly ask ourselves, how can I use my life's energy to benefit all living beings? Um, I've been thinking a lot about this lately because ultimately, I mean, we all live in Syracuse, so we... We, we walk, we drive, we go down the road, and we see, we see people all the time asking for something. Um, you know, whether they're homeless, whether they're not, whether they, whatever it is. We see people. And I've really been trying to, like, work with my mind to not put an attachment to that person and to not think, well, they're just music for drugs, so why would I do that? It doesn't matter what they use it for. What matters is that my intention is pure. And if I'm giving them a dollar, if I'm giving them, I like to give them my protein bars and stuff that I have yeah. in the car all the time. Right. Or sometimes I have like, just, I don't know, an extra pair of gloves or something, you know, if it's winter time. It doesn't really matter what they do with what we give them. What matters is our intention to give them. 
And that's something that I think a lot, and not just with that. I think about it with friends. I think about it with relationships. I think about it with literally everything we do. If we live expecting we're going to get something back for our actions of generosity or maybe compassion, then our intentions are not correct because we're not, we're doing it to get something back. And that's not how it works. And it's not generosity or compassion. Either. It's not. That's an ego. You know, it's funny, the thing that, um, that interferes most, if I'm, if I'm honest with, with myself, about the, uh, um, you know, a, a, about the, uh, you know, the perfection of uh, generosity it, is that uh, it's, it's not so much uh, an expectation of a return on investment by you know, giving somebody something. What scares me about giving somebody something is that uh, I, I don't want my boundaries crossed. You know, so it's uh, it, what the, the thing to overcome for me is that, you know, I just, I, you know, I don't want to be followed after this. You mean like you want to be able to give and just have it be, well, that's that. Like yeah. you're afraid that like. Right, it's almost like the, the, the anonymity yeah. of, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, like uh, giving money to a foundation or something like that uh, uh, alleviates me from, from the terror of human contact, which mm -hmm. kind of gets back to me. Yeah. Oh, I get that. Sure. <laughs> but then you just get all those things in the mail that they keep sending you. <laughs> That annoys me even more. <laughs> it happens every time to me, and I just, I'll be like, oh, this looks interesting, and then I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, no, I, I don't, I don't have that. That is an interesting, is an interesting thing. It's kind of like a cat, you know, you put a bowl of milk out for the cat, and you have like all that intention to just be the cat that one time. Yeah. Yeah, that cat's not leaving. That's your cat. No. Yeah. That's no. your cat. No. I live here now. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, you have 14 cats. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's like, and then you're like, how did this happen? I don't even know. I just wanted to give one bowl of milk for one. I think that when it comes to like humans, though, I don't know what to do about the cat situation. <laughs> but with humans, it's like there is always a chance. But you also always are allowed to say no. And I think that's a hard concept to, uh, to start to like be able to do. You know, you're allowed to say you're walking on the street and I don't know, someone asks for a cigarette and you smoke. I always give out my cigarettes. <laughs> terrible. But I'm always like, sure, whatever, it's fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> See, she follows me around all the time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But there's always a point when you're like, okay, sometimes you give a cigarette and you like kind of keep walking and that person does follow you. Or maybe, maybe we'll want to talk. Maybe they need a light. <laughs> they need a light, all right? I'm sorry, I'm very, I misbehaved today. They probably do need a light of something. Yeah. But, you know, they follow, and I just think it's an interesting 
that it's like I get afraid of that too. You know, it's. Um, I think it's like a fear of being possibly. Uh, not to put myself in there, but don't read into that. But it's it's a fear of being taken advantage of possibly in the future. You know what I mean? Like if you do that, then you kind of feel like you cross personal boundary that <clears throat> maybe and it's something that affected you in the past. You know, it's like a fear of being taken advantage of. Yeah, that causes that. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I I could see that, and uh, I you know I um, I think you know the other thing is you know just sort of uh, you know like uh, you know if I if I've uh, if I've handed somebody some some money so that they can get a cup of coffee or a pack of cigarettes, it's just like a you know I. It, there was there was no intention to uh, you know to to take you along with me to yeah. stop. You know? I'm like, I don't want to <laughs> have to talk to you about it because that, that wasn't part of that's the deal. a whole other thing. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so there yeah there like an example is uh, I, I'm uh, with my my job I uh, I um, move uh, implants. Uh, and, and instrumentation around from hospital to hospital, and I had to, uh, I had to head up to Community General to uh, to get some things for a, for a case that I was working on. And um, while I, I'm, I'm uh, driving uh, through through these neighborhoods and uh, you know in this uh, southern part of the city, this woman comes running up to me in, in my car and and says that she needs a ride. Huh. So I said, Well, yeah, sure. Come on, get in. I'll take you where you need to go. So we get driving down the road, and uh, then you know she now she needs money for gas. <laughs> At which point I was just like, I, I don't have any cash on me. You know, I I would give you cash if I had it, but I don't. And she's just like, well, there's an ATM over here. Oh my God. I'm just like, I'm not scanning my car. You're like, of course there is. <laughs> of course there is. Yeah. <laughs> so then. It, so then it was, you know, the next thing that happened was, you know, it was just like a, um, she had me uh, uh, drop her off. And she, so I wound up dropping her off at this high rise. That's it, she, just by sheer, sheer luck out of all the possible places that she could have been going in the city, uh, it, it was like, Across the parking lot from my office. Mm -hmm. wow. <laughs> You're just like really. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, there's there's you know like stuff like that. You know, it's like uh, you know. So now, I suppose if this person wants to, she figures out that I work in the office. You know, she yeah. could be she could be there every morning. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Waiting for the morning you do have cash on you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of the, like situations like that are hard. Um, I just asked the person for money back. And me too. <laughs> <laughs> they don't ask you for money again. That's, that's what I, when they ask me for money, I say, well, shit, I, I was just about to ask you. Time, <laughs> obviously, before they can even ask me, when they're like, can I ask you something? I'm like, hang on, can I ask you something? You have a couple bucks I can buy. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
I had a situation once, <laughs> so I'm like kind of grungy, you know, I'm using, right, um, kind of using, so I'm waiting for the bus to come, this guy comes up, and in my mind, I'm like, fuck, this guy's going to ask me for fucking money, and he walks up, and he goes, can I give you two dollars, <laughs> and I was like, what? What? I mean, I must have looked yeah. so crappy that he wants, this uh, homeless guy wants to give me to I was in a similar situation looking really grungy, and I was sitting on a curb somewhere, and this husband and wife walked up to me, and they handed me money. <laughs> and I'm like... I don't Thank you. I, yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I must look really bad. <laughs> you know, it's bad like it was money. Yeah, I felt like a dick in my head because I'm like, like, oh god, you know, and here he wants to help me. Yeah. <laughs> so what if when a situation like that arose, and say we chose. It's our choice, ultimately. Like, it's anyone's choice. If if you want to give someone money, that's, that's on you. If you want to give them a protein bar, that's on you. Whatever. I don't know. I grew up giving people tracks all the time. I don't know if you guys ever seen those, but they say, do you know what hell is? <laughs> Anyways. Um, oh, we call them tracks. I don't know. Of course you do. Like, what that, are they? Just like, like a card? Like little... Um, like pamphlets that like, you know, maybe it has like John 3.16 on it, like a Bible verse or something, or it'll be like, do you know where you're going when you die? You know, something like that. It's kind of funny that it's the same thing that the police look for when you're rolling Yeah. Your <laughs> you know, somebody told me something the other day, we were talking about people asking for things, and um, she said to me that somebody told her, um, it whether it's money or you know a place to stay for the night or a sweatshirt it's only give them what you can afford not to get back which I thought was great like that you know pretty smart so then there's also the giving of non-material things yeah um, which far surpasses the giving of true material things Sometimes um, I'd rather give ten dollars and be like, "Bye." Right, right. <laughs> My own <laughs> selfishness. Yeah. yeah. It's easier to give an, a material object, really, than yeah. something not material. Well, well. Quick story: My mom, my mom passed away in 2015 at the age of 87 after surviving pancreatic cancer for wow. 17 years, um, wow. and she was ready to go, meet her maker, whatever. Um, before she took ill, she was only in the hospital for a couple of days, or, you know, after she took ill, only in the hospital for a few days before she passed away. Um, I contacted one of her friends, um, who she had been very, very good friends with this gentleman for a number of years, um, just platonic, and uh, he came to sit with us at the hospital every single day. And he'd tell my, myself and my husband, go home, mm -hmm. get some rest, you need to take care of yourselves. I'll be here with her, and you know she was in and out of consciousness, and eventually, you know, lost consciousness. Um, and I thanked him, and I said, I said, Frank, you are such a giver. And his reply to me was, I have been given so much. So I try to think of it. What can I give? Because I have been given so much. 
It wasn't money. It wasn't right. things. It was just a gift of time. So yeah. Sitting in a room with a person who didn't even really know that he was there. It is a gift. Yeah. I think t your time, your undevoted time, without your phones, without mm -hmm. any distractions, you're just stuff. right there is definitely a gift. So when I think about generosity, I think about even what we've talked about a lot. It almost seems like our conversations constantly go to the attachment that happens when we give something and the fear of something that happens in the future. And I challenge you maybe this week, if you give something, try not to think about what may happen. Mm -hmm. Just, maybe it's, maybe your gift to someone else is a smile. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest, a smile is a really good gift. Yeah. Maybe like, if you see someone be like, wow, you're, you look really pretty today, mm -hmm. or I love your dress. You know, these are gifts that are, just like you just said, you know, they don't, they're so much better than a dollar. Mm -hmm. They're so much better than a cigarette. Jeez, you know what I mean? <laughs> mm -hmm. But just do something like that and slowly start working out. And that'll help with boundaries too, you know, because if you just offer up a smile, I use the word offer because I, I think about it as an offering. You know, we're offering a part of ourselves, even if it is just a smile. We're offering up. Um, the next part, it just is like a few sentences after it says, how can I use my life's energy to benefit all living beings? And it says that meditation is one of the ways to unlocking the natural generosity of the heart. Underneath the greedy and selfish thoughts and feelings of the human condition lies a pure desire to help. We see this in our mindfulness practice. When we let go, there is a natural acceptance and feeling of care. But we cannot wait till there is no longer any attachment or fear to act. The act of giving is one of the ways to uncover the natural generosity that has been hidden by the fear and insecurity of greed. Each act of giving is a rebellion against selfishness. Each act of giving gets us closer to our true nature of generosity. Giving is scary, hands down. You know, I, I feel like you can read something like that and everyone's like, yeah, everyone, we should be generous. We should give what we can. But then you actually get to the point where you have to do that or you see an opportunity and you're like, oh man, I need to do this. You know, have you ever been in like one of those situations, it's almost like limbo, you know, you, you see someone that needs something, yeah. you know you have it, but then you're kind of like, do I do it? Do I not do it? But what if I don't do it? Am I gonna regret it? What if I do do it and then I really do regret it? There's all these different like scenarios that go through our brain as it just keeps talking because we're so worried about like maybe something that happened last time I gave in the past or something that happened in the future. You know, we're, we're spending all this time, instead of just walking up to someone, giving them a smile, and then keep going. You know, just like a simple, like almost with our meditation, when we hear a thought or we think a thought, what do we do? We let it go. 
I like to smile at people that are mean or people that I know don't like me. Yeah. As long as you're not doing it in a vindictive way. No, it's almost <laughs> like, a, you know, I, I'm not going to let your negative shit affect my sure. peace. Yeah. It's important mm -hmm. to do that. And I don't even mean this generosity and like I'm not trying to do like a speech where I'm like this is only for like homeless people that you see on the street. Like that's not even, it's like our friends, our loved ones. And you have to be, uh, for example, okay, so there is times when I have to be very aware of how I'm feeling. I may get an email, um, a message, a phone call that I know that right now I need to like do some self-care I can't give right now and I will like set it down and be like you know what I will recheck that email tomorrow or I will respond to that phone call in a couple hours you know whatever there's a part you have to I think it's like a balance of generosity where you're not just constantly giving but you find that balance of learning when you can give and when you can set that intention and when you have to say, I have nothing to give right now. I have to give to myself. And I think that's also another important thing to kind of think about that it's like, if we constantly give a dollar to everyone that needs it, well, how am I gonna feed my babies? You know what I mean? How am I gonna feed my children? You know, if I have to give to them first, I have to give to myself first. Then if I'm walking down the road and someone asks, I'm like, oh, here, yeah, I do. You know, half the time I don't even have a dollar to give someone. And I need it for, for something, you know, maybe diapers or something. You know what I mean? Like, and that's just the reality of, I think, most of us. And there is something to be said. It's, but when you do give, just practice setting I'm giving that's that's that give and let go and then whatever kind of happens is going to happen and um, I don't know that's kind of all I have today because I feel like it's it weighs on my mind because I find myself even doing the same I'll be driving down the road and I'll just be like oh, man that person was coked out of their mind and then sometimes I want to be like can I just like shove them in my car? Yeah. Can I like just help them? Yeah. You know, and it, and it goes a balance because it's, it's just our human nature to judge. And I think mm -hmm. a huge part of generosity is also practicing non-judgment. If we see ourselves in every person that we run into or every animal or everything, if it mirrors ourselves, I think it'll make being generous a little bit easier. I think most of us have been that person on the street that needs yes. a dollar. Yes. Real. That's the trouble. I don't even want me following me along. <laughs> Real talk right there. <laughs> and that'll be <laughs> That's always, that's what I would be a lot kinder to people that I wasn't, but I didn't ex assume that they want me to interact with them. Like if I could just do it and then be done with it, I'd probably be a lot kinder. But you can. I'm a super nice person, but it's like, I just, I don't know. I'm so awkward that it's like, oh, this is going to be a thing now, and I have to say things. Say, say words to them. Yeah, if, I, if I just feel like, here, all right, and just like, 
I'm a crazy person. No, no. That's where you learn to say no. Um, but it's like, but I still at the same time kind of feel like, so I would never do something I couldn't afford to, but like, at the same point, uh, last night, last night. Um, but it's like I wouldn't, but I do find myself saying no because of that fear. You, you know me better than anybody. Like, my social interaction is like, I, Awful. You're like, uh, you like baseball. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> it's worse when it's like, uh, uh, But that's what stops me, not because I'm like, get out of here, they're, they're oh, in Or the person, their, their interaction feels forced or awkward. It makes it even worse. Well, because other know? people have made them feel like they have to put on a show or be kind in order to get something they just need. That's shitty. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, nope, nope, we're fine. You don't have to do that. You know what I mean? I actually gave somebody a, a couple of bucks a, a, a while ago, and he insisted on showing me his uh, um, his ID to prove that he's a, a veteran from the uh, yeah. Afghanistan war. He's like, you know, sorry that, that someone me. did that. People have made yeah. you feel yeah. that way. The only thing that's going on here is you need two dollars, and I have two dollars. Mm -hmm. So that's I I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that you did that. I remember before I started Refuge, one of the first things that happened that made me know I wanted to start it was um, when I when I was an outpatient. There's this woman, and she had uh, she had just um, you know she had just OD'd. She was older, and she was at there. She was there with her grandson. Her grandson was like I don't know, like my son's age. He was probably like a year at the same old. It was raining. And they told her because her, you know, she had to bring her grandson that she couldn't get the services right at that moment. And so she's outside in the rain, and her grandson and I immediately am just like, that baby, you know, like I immediately am just like, okay, my motherly instinct is taken over. And she asked me for ten dollars to call a cab. At this moment, for whatever reason, I wanted to go above and beyond that. I had the kids' car seats in the car. And I said, I will bring you where you need to go. And I put her grandson in. I put her in. And it was a stressful situation. You know, we get in the car. The first thing she does is start lighting up a cigarette. And I was like, I'd really like you to not smoke in here. My kids go in here. You know, your, your grandson, your baby is right in the back seat. And she's like, oh, okay, I'm so sorry. You know, and she's continuing and she's talking about her addiction and all of this. And... And I'm, in my mind, I'm just like, okay, 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 you know, okay. <laughs> That's like what I kept saying to myself, essentially, is, and ultimately all my thoughts went to this little boy in the back. I honestly wanted to take him home with me. So then we get to her house. She goes, I'll be right back. I have to go in and find a door that's unlocked. So she leaves her, her grandson in the car with me, never meeting me. She had never known me. I, for all she knew, I could be like, I don't know, like kidnap him or take him or murder him. Like, who knows, you know? He was asleep in the back, and it had been like 15 minutes, and we were just sitting there, and I grabbed this little boy, and I carried him in, because I was like, okay, well, at this point, I have to do something. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I've got to get home to my own kids. <laughs> you know, I'm on a time limit here. 
and I carry him in and, and I walk in and, and the place is trash and I still don't see her. I have no idea where she is. He's still asleep. She finally comes out of a bedroom and she's like, I'm so sorry, I had to handle some stuff. And I was like, it's, it's fine, where can I, where can I, where can I put him? Meanwhile, everything inside of me, he's sleeping in my arms, wants to just be like, how much trouble am I gonna get if I can't have this kid, you know? And I had to let him go, put him on the couch, and he immediately started screaming. He immediately started crying, and you know, the place was a wreck. Um, and I had to leave. How old was the baby? He was like one. Because I'm trying to think, so he's Cormac's age. So I had to be around like one. And, but I had to leave. Um, and it took me a while to be able to understand detaching from the situation. But it taught me that sometimes it's so important to like give and give your time and give your energy, even in scary situations. This woman could have like yeah. tried to rob me. Yeah. She was, you know, she was clearly still battling addiction heavy. Where did you find her? Um, she was at uh, downtown at the recovery services with me. Well, she was trying to get in there. Um, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like, that's kind of a true test. And I, it's it's not even the money. If that was a, an experience where it was just my time. Mm -hmm. And I found after all of that, that I was not only heartbroken, mm -hmm. but there was a part of me that felt a little bit lighter because I was able to help someone. And mm -hmm. it was a balance of this, this heartbreak of wanting to know how I can help more and then this balance of like utter despair and sadness mm -hmm. that I felt. And it's, it's a weird um, balance to experience. And this was before I started studying like the practice of non-attachment a lot more. So I really felt this in my gut, you know. And this is where, I guess what I'm trying to say is you never really know who you're helping, you know. I don't really know if I was helping that woman out or not. But that little boy, I was. Right. Yeah. And that little boy, I hope to see grow up. And all my intentions in that moment of helping was, I have a car seat. Right. I can drive you home. I have a car. You know, like, how can I get this little boy and this woman home? And maybe, just maybe, the little bit of love that I was able to show will help them experience a little bit of love. Because sometimes I think when we give, it's not about getting anything back. It's not what they do with it. You might give $5 to a drunk and they will go get a beer or a shot of whiskey or whatever. But they'll experience that love. They'll experience the intention that you gave them that $5 in. And then once you give it, it becomes their experience. But I know that for me, when I was like in the throes of like, I don't know, having no money and an addiction is, I'll be honest, like sometimes someone just buying me a beer was like, right. was love. Yeah. Like, I mean, ultimately it wasn't healthy love as I know now, but that might've been the one thing I got. Right. And I experienced that. I'm not saying go buy people, don't go buy people drugs, don't go buy people alcohol, but give and don't expect things back. I think that's kind of what I'm, trying to say and the boundaries that we put up because we're scared.
sometimes being worried about that future aspect of it might actually affect the present to a point that it ruins it. Um, I mean, it doesn't really ruin it. I don't know. And either way, what I'm trying to say is, you know, this week let's try to look at that and look at our actions and look at our ways that we can be generous. Even if it is a smile, even if it's texting a friend that you haven't talked to in a while and being like, hey, I love you. How are you? That's just as much generosity as giving someone money. Sometimes that's harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, texting a friend that you know is kind of a little bit, maybe bring some anxiety into your life. That's, I'd rather give Anyway, <laughs> this, it's, not, it's not true, but either way, you know, life and situations, you know, something so simple like giving is sometimes hard because it's, it is that balance of our internal wanting to do the exact opposite that we have to work on breaking through. Um, so I talked a lot today, so we're just going to do a short meditation. Um, well, let's do it. Close your eyes. Bye, Val. You should meditate every minute of the day. Okay, so close your eyes. Sit up straight. Bring awareness to the top of your head. Bring awareness to your forehead. Imagine a cool stream flowing out of your forehead down through your neck down through your shoulders your spine over your stomach down past your hips, imagine the coolness on your thighs and your knees, over your ankles. down past your feet. With each out breath you take, 
Imagine this cool water flowing over you. Allow yourself the calm on the outbreath. Maybe you can imagine your thoughts flowing out of your forehead, down this cool stream, and just going away. Inhale, you breathe in brand new breath, a new moment. With each exhale, you breathe out the end of a moment. I like to imagine that I'm breathing in the sun and it's warm and it fills up my abdomen. And then I'm breathing out cool water. And all my insecurities of that breath are flowing down that water and away from me. stream of cold water and use your in-breath to bring in warm brand new breath Thank <laughs> you. 
Try and investigate for a minute how your body feels as you imagine the cold water is flowing down. Investigate if you feel a little anxious about it. Maybe it feels so good. Just bring awareness to what it feels like to let something go. bottle it up and to watch it float away. Then after you watch it float away, you look to the sun and on your in-breath you imagine the sun, you imagine the warmth. as it fills up your heart, as it fills up your abdomen, as the warmth flows through your shoulders, your elbows, and your hands. Continue to sit tall. And to imagine letting go on your out breath. And then inviting the new breath on your in breath.
should start playing a game and see who can hear the ding the longest. Have you ever done that? 